everybody, we're back with another Commission podcast. I know why you're here listening today, because we got a great podcast for you. Uh, Freddie C. commissioning the uh, 1995... You see that stuff coming out of the listeners' ears? They can't hear yet. <laughs> <laughs> so take it easy, Slick. Uh, he commissioned the, the great Michael Mann's uh, Heat, 1995 Heat, starring... Um, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. Let, let, keep going. Val Kilmer. Keep going. Uh, John Voight. Yep. Uh, you haven't even reached like the third. Amy, Amy Brenneman. Uh, uh, Ashley Judd. Uh, I wrote them all. J- Tom down. Sizemore. I'm just real off the top of my yep. head. Uh, Michael T. Williamson. Michael T. Williams. Fucking Danny Trejo. Yeah, Danny Trejo. Who plays? Funnily enough, a character named Trejo yeah, in this movie. Yeah, that has to be, because he was just like a working stiff stuntman at this phase in his career, wasn't right. he? He was not Machete yet. Right. Rodriguez hadn't hadn't rediscovered him. Uh, Natalie Portman? Natalie fucking Portman. It's so... How many, have you seen you've seen this movie before, yes? No. I realized, Seriously? I realized somewhere through watching this movie that I had never watched this movie. Oh, wow. Because I think I've seen this movie maybe three or four times. It's been probably ten years since I've seen it, and that's the perfect amount of time because I knew like who lives and who dies, mm-hmm. but how that happened was a complete mystery. And it's just I, I I found this movie a lot of fun to watch. What did you think? Since this is your first time through, uh, I wish I had seen this movie contemporary to its release. Um, because I think I would have liked it more. I not to say I didn't like it. I I thought it was a very well constructed uh, heist movie for the '90s. But I do feel like I would have liked it more back then. Hmm. What holds you back? Because I will say that seeing it with another ten or fifteen years of miles on my odometer, um, I I appreciate some of the stuff a lot differently. Like there's a lot less admiration for that's the, the main characters and a yeah. lot more like this is really deeply fucked up stuff. It, right. That that's the thing that I I think kept me from enjoying it is the fact that they're essentially glorifying this cops and robbers mm-hmm. uh ideal and I I don't personally think that's something to aspire to, but right. the movie kind of in some ways makes it um aspirational in some ways it doesn't like well it's weird because like i don't think anyone watches this movie and then wants to engage in a shootout with the cops mm-hmm. but i do feel like some of the other stuff that like when robert de niro says you never have an attachment to something you can't leave in 30 seconds when you see i feel like it's it's, <laughs> it's weird in that like it like in in it, it's there are people who watch this and think, yeah, that's the way to go. Right. Like, that's... You, 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 like, it, like Scarface, right? Like, right. It, it, plenty of people take their, their life lessons from the movie Scarface. And I'm right. like, that's... You realize that's a tragedy. Like, the whole character there is set up to make you not want to be him, right? No, and then, like, the fact that this movie is very Shakespearean and, like, heightened, almost romantic at the end. Like, that final yeah. scene is, yeah. like, a Renaissance painting. Yeah, of, where they grab hands. And, yeah, yeah, and it's very... Uh, it's it's very bromance. Like, the, mm-hmm. the love affair in this relationship is between... <laughs> It's actually between uh, Pacino and De Niro's work in themselves, yep. or themselves in themselves, or each other. Yeah. Like, the attachments they feel towards the the women in their life seem like they're very surface level and possession oriented. Mm-hmm. But, holy shit, super interesting. Like, if, like oh, you, yeah, can, yeah. you can watch it with your head firmly up your ass, and it's the greatest <laughs> thing ever, and you can also watch it like, wow, there's some. this is some deeply troubled... 
like real life Batman who are psychotic uh, going mm-hmm. out and doing things in the world, and it's still kind of entertaining because it is. It's it's excellently plotted. I can't believe how many cat and mouse games mm-hmm. are pulled off. Like if you'd asked me how many reversals in this movie, I would have said in the beginning. Like I think there's three or four. There's like ten. And they stuff like a last minute Natalie Portman slitting her wrist and femoral artery sp- plot in like the middle of the grand climax of the film. And it never feels like overstuffed. It all feels very, very effortless. Well, it is given time to breathe. And, and, I, and I mean screen time because it's a three hour movie. Right. And and also, like, I feel like that John Voight's character exists solely to move the plot along in places. Yeah. Like there's this character who, by all rights should either be arrested or whacked by like like either the good guys should arrest him or the bad guys should whack him he knows too much he plays both sides he's too deeply connected he's profiting off all of it Mm -hmm. but he's able to just float and be the intermediary between the police and the cops and to pass information this way and that and they arrange fences and he knows everybody and um and and i but but you don't really notice that the first couple times like how much he is is essentially a plot device yeah no that's true um but, but he is expertly playing that game, right? right? There's a version of the game here to be played, which is like walking the tightrope between getting arrested and killed mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, succeeding in in pleasing the cops and the criminals enough that neither of them want to take you out. And John Voight in this movie is doing an excellent job of it. Unlike, um, I feel the, I don't remember his name, the guy who hooks Al Pacino up with Tone Loke. Uh, oh right, yeah. He he seems like he's playing the game much less effectively. <laughs> yeah, in fact, like that was that's an odd beat in the movie because at at the end of that scene, I'm like, well, Pacino just got played by this guy. Mm-hmm. Like he he huffed and he puffed, but he doesn't. You know, for whatever reason, he's not going to blow the guy's house down. That guy knows it, and then this is a dead end. To my surprise, 45 minutes later, Tone Loke is in the in the club talking a bunch of shit. Um. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, so how many Michael Mann movies have you seen? Have you have you seen I, Last of the Mohicans? I honestly don't know. No, I'm gonna I trail off the that. ones I've seen. Last Mohicans, The Insider. That's the one I with don't think I've um, seen that. Val Kilmer, right? <laughs> no, it's uh, the Australian guy who fights around the world. Russell Crowe. <laughs> Russell Crowe as the as the cigarette guy. Okay. Um, Collateral, which has Tom Cruise and Jamie Lee Fox. I just uh, typed Val Killer into IMDb, and Val Kimmer came up. So they they, they speak your language, yeah. Ali, and then of course Uheat. And it seems like that his thing is to make films around these unconventional badass heroes. Okay. You know yeah. that have like almost a supernatural skill set, um, and make it look really really stylistic and slick and cool and like a you know like like a fetishistic uh insistence upon accuracy and like gunplay and fighting and 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 things of that nature um which i think is cool like you know this there's several shootouts in this film but the climactic one where they're in their suits and they're robbing the bank Mm. for 12 million dollars is one of the finest action sequences i've seen in film and, uh, you know, it's the first time I've seen it in a good surround setup because I've got like that Sonos system that uh, the Sonos people gave to us. Um, and it's a real treat to hear like all of that on screen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, between the, the gunfights and the helicopters yeah. and like all the it, it is un, 
uh, an audio spectacle. Yeah, like when and they're fighting from both sides. So Val Kilmer's like yeah. unloading, and then he has to whip around, and you can like it's 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 a real it's a real sonic treat. Um, it's a real workout for your uh, five five one system. Uh, I think so. He did Ali, right? Yes. Did he write and direct that? I, think I believe so. He did. Because that's, that's other thing. Like the, he's this is triple threat: writer, director, producer, yeah. and he's really like I think as much as the action scenes is good in this film, the dialogue, even when it's like yeah. hyper masculine bullshit, is is really good. Hyper masculine bullshit. It is. It's tight too. It doesn't feel like I'm ever waiting for them to get to the point. Which, yeah, which is something I love about most like crime movies right that these guys do not really fuck around with words right, right. um and they, they typically say what they mean and they do what they say and uh, i don't know i like that um but no i i, I like the, the the dialogue and how punchy it is and how like I, I put it up there with like glenn gary glenn ross as far as absorbing scenes watching people act and uh-huh. i think this is the one and only time in film where de niro and pacino actually sit across from each other and act oh yeah i think it's the first time like they they huh. shared the screen in godfather but because of the the conceit of the movie robert de niro plays the young mm-hmm. vito corleone and pacino plays michael they, they never yeah. actually meet on camera there might be a weird camera dissolve where they briefly are on the screen for the same same frame or two but like um and i want to talk about that scene um because one of the things that originally convinced me or i got the idea to start doing television and film podcasting was a extended sequence where like bill simmons back in the day had a bunch of guests to talk about movies and one of the things he liked to debate is like who who won the scene like a like mm. like a, yeah. a score like a a heavyweight and he did the sequence of uh with um, Pacino and De Niro and it was so absorbing to hear these guys break down the scene and like who won it let me guess who won according to them i don't remember oh okay well <laughs> never mind uh, uh, personally i think de niro wins this scene holy shit i thought yeah. okay because my opinion i think de niro is the more intimidating force here okay it's i think pacino is written to win the scene and he does in fact win the scene huh because it's a pretty even it's a pretty even score but the, the crucial scene is at the end where they both say they're like, well, you you know, essentially you got me who, against the corner, I got you, and or what if it's me and I see you first and yeah. she blow you away? Uh, De Niro breaks the eye contact first, hmm. and as soon as he looks away, Pacino's got a kind of just like a little smile, like like it's a millimeter his the, the corners of his <laughs> mouth, like you know, like I I'm going to kill you, and we both know it, and that's what happens in the film. Now it, it's weird to me because who won I, from a crafts perspective is a lot more fascinating because they're both they're both swinging for defenses. Well, and restrained swinging for defenses. There, okay, yeah, that's fair because I like they're swinging for the fences, and then there's this scene, um, and, uh-huh. and I feel like Robert De Niro just in my mind as a gangster, as a heist, like a, a criminal, has more gravitas in this scene than Al Pacino, who I've seen. Look, I've seen Robert De Niro in some really shitty movies. Sure. Um, as of late, he's done nothing but crap for, for all I care. Right. Uh, but Al Pacino has been in some movies that should be really awesome, and he has made them feel less than awesome with his acting. Right. I don't know when 
I think it might have been scent of, scent of a Woman when Al Pacino started to say, you know what my acting style is? It's just to shout randomly at the camera. Right. And, like, th- to me, that just almost makes me laugh instead of, like, take him more seriously. Whereas right. De Niro has, like, a like a quiet kind of something under the surface, like, very quiet and stoic and just, like, at any moment he could, like, bust out and just kill totally. you. Totally. Whereas Pacino, I feel like it's a very... he's going to shout and bluster and then it's not going to be that intimidating in the end but you know i so i kind of i agree with that and one of the central points that the movie makes and john voight bangs this home is like look in a fight with this guy this guy can miss and miss and miss sure. and only needs yeah. to hit once you have to hit every single time and i think that you're right pacino is a more bigger less controlled like i i read something that made me laugh hysterically as an interview with him in 2016 said go by the way you're supposed to understand my character is is on cocaine 100 percent of the time oh, like oh his, his character yeah mm-hmm. yeah 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 we got that <laughs> we we definitely fucking got that we know that somebody was on cocaine the whole time but he's a less tight and controlled and broader and sloppier performance where de niro's not because it has to be and then it beautifully sets up the moment where you see, like, as soon as De Niro whips off to get to the the highway to go to that hotel to kill what if what's his fake mullet man? Yeah, he's done fucked up. This is where he doesn't. This is this is where he won. He won. Uh-huh. All he had to do was allow sleeve. Admittedly, a sleazeball monster to walk the earth, and he could be off in New Zealand with. Amy Brenneman in her fucking prime, uh-huh. uh, and he can't do it. He can't do it. No, he can't. And but here's the thing. So I, I would give you that, and I would say, okay, that is an intentional thing that the movie is trying to do. If it weren't for the fact that Al Pacino does this in like every movie he's in, he is sloppier in his acting. He is like bigger and broader and less controlled than Robert De Niro in every role he's in, except for maybe The Godfather. I mean, there's other ones that he's certainly been able to reel it back but yeah i do think that around the godfather 2 during the abortion scene some some fuse some fuse broke in his brain and he's like whoa man look look what the fuck happened there i (laughs) i can i can do that at any time (laughs) rather than like if you maintain this icy mass that allows like the the volcanic fury to get out like once every six hours of cinema, that's powerful. Yeah. If you do it every fifteen minutes, it's a person with a medical condition that needs to be treated. Right. Um, but I felt like that this this police role is like the William Defoe role in uh, Boondock Saints. It's like the Gary Oldman role in Leon the Professional. Like there is this archetype of crime scene investigator, brilliant. It's this is uh, this is um, uh, Matthew McConaughey in in season one of True Detective that you can, and may, maybe Michael Mann knows that and why it's so smart to cast Pacino is that this world is designed to have like a c- impulsive, compulsive, addictive, big personality in it, and that can be fine in contrast to. You know, De Niro's button-down menace. Um, Where those big characters get drug in and arrested. Yeah. It's also funny how De Niro... Because I I was comparing his performance here to his performance in uh, Jackie Brown. Hmm. Because in Jackie Brown, he kind of plays a sloppy Uh fuck-up. But it's a completely different sloppy kind of fuck-up than than, than Pacino plays. Sure. Um, 
It never devolves to shouting at the camera. Which, yeah. Which I, I so mean, you me, actually I, didn't like Pacino's performance in here? You know what? I don't think I like Pacino's performance in a lot of stuff he's in. That's, I, that's I like completely him, fair. I like him in Glengarry Glen Ross. I like him in The Godfather stuff. Right. Um, I like him in fucking, what's the Attica movie? Uh, I haven't seen that one. Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but a lot of that stuff is older. But, but this movie, you didn't yeah, think this... it worked? <laughs> Everything except where he starts screaming and yelling. Like, I, he just gets over the top, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Like, when he talks about the great ass, I'm, I'm like, and that then... line could have been really good, but you, you made me laugh. You made me laugh, and I was not supposed to laugh in this scene. Aren't you... Because he, he also has this other scene earlier on where he's he's rolling tough on tone uh, t- the tone loafs. Yeah. Uh, when he's like, I need you to give me all you got. Give me all you got. Give me all you got. And I don't know. I felt like. I, I feel like that was the 15th take and he was just over it. And he like <laughs> Michael Mann keeps saying, no, no, one more, Al. And that time so he came Mann in and he just started him. shouting. He, he wants him to unleash the beast. Maybe so. I just can't help but laugh when he does. But, you know, without that. Is there a fucking funny thing in this movie? Like, could this movie be three hours long with nothing <laughs> funny in it? Maybe not. Um, Maybe not. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know because I I found myself really liking it, and it really hammered home. Because because he's, I think it's interesting to see like Pacino's bullshit, his character's bullshit. Like when he's explained to his sure. wife, like, "Hey, baby, this is the life you chose," and. You know, kind of like you're living in denial, or maybe it's not denial, but it's more of like, I mean, I don't know. I, not- it seems like it seems like these guys. My criticism of these types of guys is there's some, I think, professions and careers that you just sh- shouldn't be in a relationship with, and if you yeah. want to be, um, if you want to be him and do him to your fullest. Like and and both of the main characters in this are in that camp. Yeah, like like this is just a sacrifice that you need to make. You, I'm not saying you got to stay away from women. Mm-hmm. I'm saying you can't get in a relationship with the person with the, and 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 have kids because you're just setting yourself up to be a bad husband and bad father. Yeah. Um. And, and even even if you can walk away from that in 30 seconds, right? That's fucked up. Yeah. No. I mean, so the other thing is like, but maybe. Maybe they need like 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 it's it's one of those things where um, I don't know because there's there's this one scene where I felt like it's peak Pacino's character bullshit where he's like what do you want me to say baby you want me to come home and be like yeah there's a junkie zap fried a baby in a microwave because it wouldn't stop screaming do you oh I'm supposed to just share that with you and it somehow dispels all of it I'm like yeah. Yeah, that's that's how it fucking works, man. You talk about these things, you get them out inside, you get you, you you share them with other human beings, and it does let the little poison. But then he discontinues on and says, "But I need to keep that inside of me because that's what keeps me sharp. That's what Fire, keeps me going." Yeah. You, is that gotta live? That on might the edge. be true. Yeah, maybe because honestly, some of this shit is so extreme. Like if you're a major crimes unit investigator, you are you are gazing into the abyss. Yeah, and is inevitable the abyss gazes back like i mean i'm not going to be sitting there as like my my cushy job as a podcaster and my extremely demanding job <laughs> as a guy p- punching keys on a keyboard before that and say like ah fucking bullshit all he needs is a drum circle and kumbaya <laughs> I, I don't know i mean i guess that's why these films still kind of work because i would never want to be that healthy unhealthy of a person 
but the extremes of the human experience are kind of fascinating to watch. Yeah. I think the the tragedy of all of this is you wouldn't need guys like Pacino if there weren't guys like De Niro and vice versa, right? Like, they're driving each other. Right. Um, that's the nature of cops and robbers. And I I don't know. I mean, to me, it's it's like, why why can't everybody just say, okay, this this is all crazy. Let's not do it. But... Well, they're they're sure. compelled to for various reasons because it's like the prisoner's dilemma, right? You know, um, mm. the most beneficial game theory state is for everyone to cooperate. Yeah. But if one cooperates and one collaborates, the cooperator gets fucked. Yeah. So everyone collab, you know, it's everyone does the antagonistic option because that that limits your and that, levels that's, the playing field. That's the criminal. That's the that's the criminal underworld, underworld in a nutshell. Like right. always suspect the other guy's going to fuck you, and you'll never be fucked, and you'll do the majority of the fucking. Mm-hmm. Um, because there is no rule of law. It's 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 capitalism and social Darwinism at its most most ba- basic. Mm-hmm. Um, Here's the other disturbing thing about Al Pacino yeah. in this movie. I never in my life again want to see Al Pacino making love. I agree. I have that. My first notes on my in my notepad are Pacino fucking. <laughs> I've seen this man devour a sixteen year old in The Godfather, God. and crawl inside a woman's skin in this film with uh-huh. his mouth and like weird. Just all his parts. None yeah, of it is. I, 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 I'm, I'm done. I'm done. My <laughs> odometer says two. At three, my engine explodes. Like I, I, I can't do it, man. No, no, it's too much. And then they go directly from that to a Pacino shower scene, and I'm like, nope, nope that right. that is the extent. I of, need of Pacino I need to pause that you the movie and take the shower now. I feel like I, <laughs> there's no amount of scrubbing is going to get me clean. Um, Fortunately, it's followed up by a, a really solid heist. Sure, like a a very good, um, competently executed heist, except for the wild card of Wayne Grew. Right. Uh, before we get into that, I want to talk about because I still got more to say about Pacino and De Niro. <laughs> okay, this movie there was like a five year window that this movie could have been made starring these men because they were the perfect age for it. Like these characters are written to be guys who are slightly past their prime, but can still bring it. You can see like there's a couple like I was really impressed with the physicality of these middle aged men's performance. Like. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where Pacino is just hauling ass Tom Cruise style with an M16 across this airport tarmac to keep up with De Niro. And, like, he is really fucking running. Like, I feel like he probably couldn't move for a week after that scene. (laughs) And he doesn't have he doesn't have the long legs of De Niro. Right. De Niro's got height on him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, funny. like five years from there, they you they couldn't believably like, okay, he's summoning all of his like. Um, whatever, and into this one last chase, like they'd be too old to believably care. Oh, yeah. And then, like, if they were younger, it wouldn't have the impact of these guys over the hill. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of amazing that this film came together with these two men who are like these big storied roles, have these big storied roles in history and American crime films, and they're at the exact perfect age to tell the tale. Yeah. Did you know that this was based on a true story, by the way? I didn't. Like, down to the coffee conversation. It was, it was something that happened in the 60s between a bank robber and uh, I think it was an FBI agent. Maybe it was a LAPD uh, crimes unit guy. Um, and uh, just like a lot of the cat and mouse, a lot of the details. I mean, obviously it was, it was updated for the modern day technology and whatnot. But um, it, like down to the shootout. 
not the beats of the shootout, but like the fact that like two guys died, one guy got wounded and made off, um, one guy got killed oh. later on. Um, the Val Kilmer character got is sent to prison. I think he's still in prison. Huh. Uh, the article I written that I read on this was from 2011. That at that time he is still alive. He didn't. Um, he didn't drive away after they checked. No, nah, he didn't. Uh, uh, Ashley Judd wasn't there to give her give him the brush off. And, yeah. Um, so I, that's. I guess. I guess I'm done talking about Pacino and De Niro. Although I, when they first started the like planning scenes and the corresponding investigation scenes, I was worried that they would seem tedious because that has been copied. Like the heist film has become a thing yeah. since now. But I felt like they still held up. Like no matter how many times I've seen guys like Pacino and Tommy Lee Jones bark orders uh, of seemingly nonsensical orders and have six dudes just instantly start complying. It, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem to get old. Like, no, Pac- and I, I thought it was, it was quick enough. Like it moved along. You yeah. Know? They never like lingered on it like an oceans movie would. And they didn't do a lot of explaining what happened. Like, you know, you, you usually find out how bad the bad guys are fucked in real time with the bad guys. And, and mm-hmm. the, you discover along the police that they've been had or they've been thrown or they've been shook. And that kind of rhythm of that back and forth and the cleverness of it and the fact that you kind of have to put a little bit of that two and two together most of the time. There's a couple scenes where, like, Pacino at the docks where De Niro's taking pictures of him from, like, a crane that's apparently 5,000 feet in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the most kind of ham-fisted, like, oh, look what happened here. But I thought a lot of that stuff held up and wasn't tedious and, and still plays as clever. So let me ask you about that scene. I, I feel like... There's a huge mistake here made by Robert De Niro, um, made by Neil, because what he does here is he, so he's trying to to fish out Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. Um, he's trying to get, to capture his tail and, and see who's following Pacino. Him. Um, but he does it by essentially just going out to to the docks and pointing in a direction randomly, right? And and hoping that he'll take the bait, and he does. Uh-huh. What if he had staged that at a place which had conceivable targets around? Pacino never gets on to him, right? Yeah. I, I, I feel was, like it's a huge miscalculation on De Niro's part. I, I agree, but I also I was kind of in disbelief that De Niro quickly dismissed the container yard. Like, maybe he hasn't right, seen in the season two yeah. of The Wire, uh-huh. but an endless amount of fascinating things that could be stolen and are illegal and maybe even undocumented the only criminals could know would be in those container Imagine. yards. And he's just like, ah, it's just, a con- it's just a yard full of metal containers we can't see into without warrants and are stacked six deep and a mile long. <laughs> Couldn't possibly be a target. Like One of those has got to be filled with Furbies. Yeah, there's and, one... And you can eBay the shit out of those things in 95. There's one full of heroin and the other... There's another full of, like, 17 Eastern European <laughs> women for trafficking. Like, right. there is shit there. There, De Niro, come on. Or, I mean, Pacino, come on. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was foolish. I, I felt like that was maybe the worst scene in the movie. There's honestly. a couple of, like, but I wonder if some of that stuff is, like, in, intentionally written in sloppy. Because the other thing I noticed is, like, uh, John Voight's character, who, my God, John Voight, he plays, like, uh, an anthropomorphic sleazeball. He's an he's an omniscient okay. sl- sl- sleazeball. Like he's he just yeah. looks he just looks like a sleazeball. John Voight's 
puffy done some white. Makeup to him, I he's guess. done. He's done yeah. some makeup and the ponytail. Everything about him is used a sleaze ball. But his fundamental analysis of the beginning of the high, like fencing the first heist, mm-hmm. is wrong and causes a lot of the carnage in the movie. Like him saying, like, "Hey, this guy's fully insured yeah. with this stuff. We can sell him back to him, sixty cents on the dollar. He makes out, we make out. It's a good and plan, he's, and he's a businessman. It's a really good plan. But it's he, just he, William Fitchner doesn't go along with it. He sees himself more as a gangster than a businessman, yeah. and he gets quickly disabused of the notion. But by then, it's already you know there's been there's been a lot a lot of shit has transpired. Yeah, I, I feel like you pull this with like a, a Goldman Sachs dude, and he probably goes along with it because he sees the margin, yeah. but like. This guy is a money launderer. He's he's more connected to the criminal underworld than you might want, yeah. you know, yeah. for for a target. So well, there's a little bit of like I mean that's like a Elmore Leonard kind of move where you've got a criminal who because of his life exp- like so he's like a Wall Street guy who started to launder money and he thinks he's this big swinging dick, right? But in reality, he's a shrinky dink in a 40-degree pool, and Robert De Niro is going to throw lawn furniture through his his window and kill him. Um, Should have tried this with Christian Bale in uh, The Big Short. That would have worked. But, like, it's funny because John Voight fucks up that analysis, and there's not, like... I kind of expected some acrimony and and maybe him to be to distrust some of the information he gets later but like i don't know that was but again i don't know whether that i mean i don't think that's a writing flaw that's just like this is an imperfect thing you got to trust your gut and sometimes your gut's wrong like it builds into the thesis of you have to hit every single one of your hits like it's 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 you know speaking of the wire it's like um you know barks uh, avon barksdale saying you know how you never going to have a slow day how Mm -hmm. you ever going to have a day where you don't get tripped up how are you going to live every day perfectly you can't like that's the problem like there eventually come a day where you fuck up that'll correspond to the police noticing and then it's over yep um i don't know i thought that uh that stuff was pretty cool that's why Uh, you gotta get in go big and get out right right you gotta do you gotta steal the mona lisa um, did you, I thought it was interesting, like, Val Kilmer is the most fucked up person, well, maybe we can talk about Tom Sizemore here in a minute. <laughs> Val Kilmer's the most fucked up guy in, in this movie, right? I, I think so, yeah. Because, like, I just thought it was incredible where he's, you know, uh, Robert De Niro is is talking to him about his relationship with Ashley Judd, and he's like, you got anything on the side? He's like, yeah, a little bit, nothing serious. Uh, and he says, like, the sun rises and sets with her. Mm-hmm. But it clearly, clearly doesn't. doesn't. Yeah. The sun rises and sets in a fucking Las Vegas casino, dude. Mm-hmm. This is why you're in this situation. Like, And then why does De Niro go to... like? I, I don't quite understand why De Niro loves Val Kilmer so much. I don't know. To see him as himself, like a, a younger version of himself, which that didn't seem... Does, mm-hmm. he, does he see like you know that he has the potential to be him if he gets his shit together? Like, I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. It might just be as simple as they've done a lot of jobs together. Yeah, because the crew's tight. I yeah, mean, they they, they and they we see that like that plays out in the scene where they're talking about doing the one last heist, and uh, J- J- uh, Tom Sizemore's character like clearly should not do this, and he's mm-hmm. maybe the one that's got his life most together. It seemed like, um, and boy, goddamn, his his exit from this film is pretty brutal. Like Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Shoots yeah. him out from underneath his baby girl. It's it's easily the most dangerous stunt in the movie because imagine if he just falls the other way. That poor girl will be crushed under Tom Sizemore. I mean, yeah, he's he's like he's trusting his <laughs> aim. Yeah, it's 
It's in, it's in, it's insane. It's insane. No, it, it is. But I, at, at the same time, like I kind of thought it was awesome. No, totally. It, and it also fits in with this guy who's just coked up and on this adrenaline high sure. that he's not, he's not going to think about. Like, like De Niro, I don't think, or I'm sorry, Pacino does not ever once in this movie contemplate that he can fail. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he does fail, he'll put it behind him and he'll keep going. And, right. And and someone else will pay the price. It, and, it'll work for him. Yeah, because he kind of lives his life by the same rules of, like, he doesn't really have anything in his life that, he's, that he can't walk away from for more than 30 seconds. Yeah. Like, when his wife, I mean... How much analysis you want to do of his third wife and his relationship? Like, uh, it clearly they shouldn't be together. Yeah. I think there's better ways to exit a relationship, especially when you've got a troubled daughter in the mix, than to just bring home a man and fuck him on. Mm-hmm. But especially Gregory, yeah, yeah. That, you, that's you, one you, of my you, favorite scenes. Debase, debase, she had to debase herself <laughs> with Gregory. That's that's hilarious. I love having this man. Being both berated, yeah, berated by Al Pacino, and told to sh- sit down and shut up and and get on that couch and watch this unfold, yeah, and also her like talking about how demeaning it is to sleep with him and like yeah. right to his face. It's so hilarious. Yeah, that was the best scene in the movie, in my opinion. Yeah. Um. So let's see what else we want to talk about. Uh, no, no, the Val Kilmer character. Um. It's we his arc is so weird because like I don't I I don't know why Ashley Judd loves this guy. I don't think Ashley Judd loves this guy. I don't know why Ashley Judd risks her why does she risk everything including her child? Like I thought the one of the best scenes is Mike uh Michael T w- uh Williamson laying it all out for her. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, this guy chose his life, your son didn't. Why would you risk all this for for this guy? Yeah. Like he made his decision. These are the, the the consequences, and she's like, "What are you selling?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm selling all kinds of shit, but I don't, I don't need to sell this because it sells itself." That's exactly right. And I I had forgotten that she warns him off, and I was kind of flabbergasted as I watched it. I'm like, "Why the fuck?" It's such a reckless move. Yeah, it is, and it doesn't. To me, that's a false note in the movie because I don't think a real woman in that situation. Um, who has already stepped out on him, who's already finding a way to get out of the car, who yeah. who got bullied, frankly, by De Niro, which that's a volcanic scene. When he comes in mm-hmm. there and slaps those hangers, one of them flies off and hits her right. And I kept on thinking, like, what happens if the hook gets into her eye? Like, <laughs> becomes a very different scene. Yeah, it's a huge, there's a bunch of method acting. And it's, 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 it's very menacing, and it shows De Niro as, like, his scariest level, but, like, it's yeah. also kind of dangerous a performance. Uh... I, I, I don't know why, because it's not like she's ever going to see him again. He's gone. Yeah. No, I agree with you. It's It doesn't make a lot of sense from her perspective. And maybe it would have if they had set up that relationship a little mm-hmm. bit more, um, if they had told us a little bit about why she was with him in the first place. I mean, maybe we're supposed to understand that she's acting out in the same way Pacino's wife's acting out as a desperate way to either get him to release her so it's not you know like i the the good i don't know the good parts i I mean i've been there the good parts of relationship are good enough that you don't really want to leave but the bad parts are bad enough that you don't really want to stay you really wish the other person would just fucking make the decision like like are we going to live with this are we going to get out of it i i I don't want to make the decision i do feel like a lot of this movie hinges on because she loves him like there's a lot of stuff that isn't explained other than just like she just loves him right 
I feel, I feel like the Amy Brenneman stuff works because she's clearly like that, oh that works the best of, because of any of the she's clearly young and naive yeah. and it's like we're supposed to believe kind of socially awkward and, and a little bit desperate like and she gets she gets the feeling like there's a lot of like emotional connection without mm-hmm. her knowing anything about it but then you know I mean I read that as patently crazy too when he comes and says move go to go to go to, go to yeah. New Zealand with me sure I don't even know you quit uh, your you job know enough give like, up your life and, and right. And you don't essentially need, be my sidekick. Like, you don't need money. I've got all the money you right. need. Like, okay, so I'm going to be financially independent with you in a in a in a in a country that I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm going to have any main, gainful employment to get away if I need to. Yes, this all seems, but it works because I think you're supposed to understand that Amy Brenneman's character is just fucking naive, and and sure. and clearly Twitter pated with uh, Robert De Niro, who you know, is a charismatic guy. I get that. Yeah. Also, Amy Brenneman, I've all, I I thought she was so attractive in The Leftovers. I had like mm-hmm. this big crush on her. How about but twenty years earlier, my God, <laughs> I it's it's amazing how beautiful she was in this movie. Yeah, she's this movie is full of attractive people. You got Val Kilmer, kind of like at his peak before <laughs> his poutiest be, before, be, before he, he goes before he goes the MacGruber uh, era. <laughs> uh, you know, before the, before although he was still a pretty good looking man in Isle of Doctor Moreau. Hmm. Here's something about Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer's got a Reddit account, and he does fairly regular IMAs, and he is one of the most consistently charming and entertaining AMA guys. Because he fully owns, like, yeah, I was a young, stupid kid, and I pissed away a lot of chances I had, and I could have, but, like, I also got to work with Marlon Brando, and I've got, like, all these crazy, like, you think the the filming of The Isle of Dr. Moreau is crazy? (laughs) Yeah, you didn't fucking live it. Oh, you saw the documentary? I was there. Like he's, I, I, stories. I really like him. He seems like uh, he seems like a pretty genuine, happy, grounded dude, and uh, uh, at this point in his life, uh, a decent father and, and friend. I don't know. Uh, what what has he done lately as far as like, film? <laughs> really, that was the last thing. Oh man, McGruber. I don't know. Probably not. He's probably done other stuff. He's Let done me the type Saint. In Val Killer. You haven't seen the Saint three, four, two, two, three, four, and five. The direct video versions of the Saint. Uh, I have not. Where it's still Val Kilmer, but they kept on re- uh, recasting Elizabeth Shue because she had standards. Uh, That's no- actually nothing I've seen lately. He's been in Robot Chicken, but who hasn't? Right. Right. Um, yeah. But no, I, I I felt like that's that's one of the false notes in the movie, the relationship between him and Ashley Judd, or at least the way I was perfectly happy with it until she waved him off. Because I also don't know, what did that do emotionally to the movie? Did that give Robert De Niro's character a victory? Because he him dying on his own terms, I thought, was his victory. Sure. Like, like yeah. we are supposed to understand that as, as committed as he was to 80... Amy Brenneman, uh, she was still in the category of when the heat was around the corner, uh, he was gone in 30 seconds. Yep. So, you know, that was a really cool scene because they have this extended moment of eye contact where they're both coming to this. They're both kind of surprised at the conclusion that's being arrived at. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was um, surprisingly, I, I didn't want that to happen. Like yeah. I want it's no, stupid I, because I was, it's irrational. Like this relationship is not a thing that's going to work for either of them long term. No, I can just tell like right. looking at it. But I didn't want him to abandon her right there because she she felt 
vulnerable in that position to uh-huh. me, and I felt like it was a really shitty thing to do. <laughs> but be- probably best thing that ever happened to her in retrospect. Yes, yeah. Um, but no, I got it. Like I couldn't believe how bummed out I was when, like, and I knew he died. Like that's like I couldn't forget. I, I knew who lived and who died, and mm-hmm. I actually surprisingly remembered the final shootout and the cat and mouse game between those concrete barriers or dividers and yeah. fucking power boxes, whatever they are. Um, but I was like super bummed out when he decided to whip off the like he had made it. He was safe. And then John Voight calls and you got to make the detour to get Mangrove or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I was really bummed out. Let me let me ask you this. Did you ever question whether John Voight was actually going to get him out of there? I actually thought that it's I, I thought I had a lot of thoughts in the second half of the movie that maybe John Voight had been compromised. And we're going to find out that he's actually working for Pacino. I. Like when he hung I'm up, I'm like not even sure that he isn't he, at this. When point. When he hung up after giving the mangrove, I thought that they're going to pull back the camera and Pacino's sitting in the bar with him or something. I almost think he might have been. Like the, yeah, the word on the street was put out there by the cops. John Boyd's yeah, got to know that. Yeah. Like where'd you hear this from? Right. Oh, uh, it's a CI that, that I know. Well, are we supposed to? Well, understand, I'm not going to fucking believe it. Then. Are we supposed to understand that Pacino's good enough that he's can get that out in a way that I don't know? Because that's the thing. You just have to understand it both these guys are like at the top of their game yeah um but but he was broadcasting it like it's not like he slipped it out to one critical right critical person in the chain he was like get it out to every house hen house outhouse doghouse in the county jones did he did and to me like john voight would have sniffed that out in a moment so i i do think john voight was compromised at the end which to me says there was never an out for robert de niro yeah um I'm going to talk about Tom Sizemore. Tom okay. Sizemore seems like a piece of work as an individual, but he's really good at playing like approachable, ferocious people. Like he is able to convince me that he is a man who loves his daughter, and he is a mm-hmm. guy who is afraid but's going to try to do right by his friends. He's also the guy that, with a single pointed glance, can make. A pretty tough guy back the fuck down like that scene in the bar where De, where De Niro slams Mangrove's face into the pancakes mm-hmm. and the big beefy guy like looks up from his paper and Tom Sizemore just like locks eyes and the guy's like no no uh-uh. <laughs> I yeah he, I, I he's got a little bit of like Michael Madsen in him that, that's that's good, when I think of the two guys I think they're kind of linked in their performances that's a really good comparison because he can be friendly and like, eh, that's a guy yeah. I can get a beer with. And then it's like, oh, shit, I got the beer with the wrong guy. And he's cutting my ear off. <laughs> like, I could see Tom Sizemore he, in that scene. Yeah, he's stabbing someone and throwing him in the trunk. I What have I gotten myself into? Um, yeah. 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 He's, re- he's really good in this film. He's really good in this film. He is. Uh, I almost want to kind of roll we, down the cast and just talk about I know. We, we haven't all. talked about, like, the biggest neck in Hollywood, Henry Rollins. Uh, <laughs> it, it kind of... Kind of a yeah. do- a doughier performance, right? Like he's always he's always been a big guy. Yeah, no, I I I didn't. I mean, I obviously recognized him, but his... he's gotten much more uh, ripped, I will guess, in his old age. Yeah, he's really, really, he's really bloaty in this. Um, yeah. Okay, let's go down the list. Natalie Portman. Uh, I think. Let's see. When did the professional come out? Leon the I think it was before this wasn't it um yeah it came out the year before so you put that performance and this performance together and you know you, you're, you're clear you're talking about someone who's got a fucking metric fuck ton of talent yeah but she's kind of 
I don't know that they used her effectively because she didn't really feel like a fleshed out character. She just she felt like a human MacGuffin that yeah. was just going to give Pacino that much more pathos. Yeah, there's so much going on in this movie. I feel like they could have dropped the the whole Natalie Portman storyline, right? Uh, and I would have been okay with that. I think. Like, especially her suicide attempt comes kind of out of nowhere for me. Right. Like, I know she had problems with her her real dad. It, almost like she's bi- written to make, dad. to make Pacino's wife um, less likable because, again, you know, however, you know, she, she deals with Pacino's bullshit in the way she deals with it. That's fine. But when you throw in a troubled youth in the middle of this marriage, like, it makes mm-hmm. her... Justine character um, a little bit less sympathetic, which I don't know that you needed you needed to make the women characters in this movie less sympathetic, to be honest. <laughs> sure. We talked about John Voight. We talked about Tom Sizemore. Um, Danny Trejo. Yeah. Uh, good, good early work from Danny Trejo. Mm-hmm. Like, he plays a Danny Trejo-type character really well. Uh, <laughs> he's great at playing those Danny Trejo type characters. He is. He's really great. Uh, Surprising. We talked about Michael T. Williamson, who I first noticed in season three of Justified. Yep. He played uh, Limehouse. Limehouse. Uh, I mean, he's recognizably this guy, mm-hmm. but he's also got a little bit of that, like, you know, he's got, uh, uh, who was it? Uh, he's, he's the L.A. version of Limehouse. Yeah. Um, he He's doing... He's got uh, Hank Azaria's like like he he's he's able to stop his bullshit with a pointed look. He's got a little bit of Tom Sizemore in him. Yeah, I mean, seeing this performance um, from Michael T. Williamson makes me appreciate the work he was doing as Limehouse a lot more. Right, because they're very different characters. He wasn't allowed to really fully play his instrument in this movie. No, 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 no. Yeah, he's a he's a deep voice and and, and a level head and an intimidating presence, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, Ted Levine, Buffalo Bill as Bosco. Um, right. When I saw Ted, because like, the, the credits, it's one of the rare, like, all the stars, like, appear mm-hmm. in the credits before the movie. And I'm like, I started just, like, freaking the fuck out. I'm like, Ted Levine <laughs> is in this? Right. And when Mangrove showed up, I'm thought, I'm like, is that? But then he shows up, he's a good guy. I thought he was, I thought he was amazing. Um, he's good. Yeah. I've really started appreciating Ted Levine in 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 his career of late. Like he really amazing. I thought he was amazing in The Bridge. Uh, you, I saw him in uh, when did we watch Silence of the Lambs? Because I'd never seen Silence of the Lambs when I finally saw it for a commission podcast. Uh, was like, at least a year ago, two three years ago. Yeah. Um, William Fitchner. Yes. Who I I really like William Fitchner. I don't know why. Yeah. Like his performances are never stellar but uh-huh. it's always serviceable and he's a really good character actor i just i want my head says him. that he survived this gun attack and became the mobster banker in uh, the dark knight <laughs> okay <laughs> sure uh west studi who is the uh native american actor to play the detective i thought was really good but again all these detectives that are underneath pacino are kind of just archetypes yeah president uh Oh, what was his name in in, in twenty four? Uh, President Palmer, uh, uh-huh. Dennis uh, Haysbert. Um probably the most tragic Shit. character. In I the thought movie. that was him, but I wasn't sure until you until you said it. Okay, yeah, he's probably the most tragic character in the yeah. whole movie because yeah. he's this ex con. He's trying to do right, and mm-hmm. it just shows how worked over these ex cons can be in like yeah. these hopeless situations, and then and how that feeds back into right their lives, you know. Right. Um, I really felt bad for him, and I really like it's a very underrated moment. But they have his sweetheart 
at a bar watching the news and seeing his face coming. Like, last she knew, he was working a shit job at the grill, and now he's dead. Yeah. Understated moment, but pretty pretty fucking cool. Um, Hank Azaria is just like, you know, whatever. <laughs> We're now Jeremy Piven. What do you think of Jeremy uh, so, Piven as Dr. S- Bob? From fucking Stealth Piven. Yeah. Like, like he's not in the credits in the in the beginning. Right. So I didn't know he was in this. And when he showed up, it just blew my mind. Um, uh, he was fine. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, like I said, this has got a, this got, this got a pretty fucking deep cast. Um, yeah. So I want, definitely want to go through that. We did that. Um, what else do we want to talk about? Uh, I, I knew as soon as, like, they started saying slick over and over again um, that that was going to be the That's important be... thing in the movie. And right. It was, though not as important as I expected, right. I guess. Did you think, like, the other thing is, during the heist where they're trying to steal, was it platinum? There was, they're trying to steal yeah. something. Um, and one of the cops, like, stumbles and bangs his gun against the side of a package car. Mm-hmm. And De Niro frees, and they got that great scene where he's, like, staring right at Pacino through the infrared. And he calls it off, like, am I supposed to believe that, that De Niro's that skittish? Like, go stand out on a random street corner some night at 3 o'clock in the morning and notice how many random bangs and scuffles mm-hmm. and wind blow. Like, it's because the cops are always watching. It probably. <laughs> it's probably why I never get in trouble at 3 a.m. Because just when I'm about to do something skeevy, yep. like, I hear the sound and I go scurry away like a, a De Niro. Uh, did you did you buy that? Because I had a little bit of, like, really? I guess you got to be. Because, I mean, it, it feeds back into that you got to hit 100% of the shots you take. You know, mm. like if he doesn't, I bet he has called off many jobs that didn't need to be called off for this very same reason. Like he I, could have gotten away very easily and no one was watching him, but he heard something weird and he right. said it's off. I wish it did. I may, and maybe they're trying to suggest something with the way the panel, the box trucks were arranged that that was like, you know, oh, this is standard LAPD. Like, I, I don't know, but like, I felt like if that was really like, he would never get a job done. Yeah. Uh, but then again, I guess he'd never go to jail, too. So uh, what else did I want to talk about? We already talked about the scene where Pacino squared off with De Niro. You th- and that's I, th- I, I was hoping that we would have the opposite conclusion because that's that's and- that's the most interesting possibility. <laughs> right. Did they so did they dump did they have this meeting? It, so it wasn't at the behest of De Niro, so it couldn't have been. But I got the feeling that. They dumped all the surveillance while this meeting was happening, mm-hmm. I think, and then De Niro disappears as well. Right. I almost got the feeling that it was set up by De Niro to kind of distract the the main guy here, the really sharp guy. I think it was just I think it was just timing because there's no like like just fortunate or or no the, like De Niro's timing, crew was planning to do this dissolve into the night routine, and it just happens that Pacino okay. got De Niro because I, I think that's the other thing is like Pacino is growing frustrated with his men's inability to tail De Niro. Yeah, he's the wiliest guy. Every time at night, he somehow loses him. Mm-hmm. And I was about to call bullshit because he was having a meeting with um, John Voight, and I'm like. Well, the, the movie's over. Pacino's going to know that you're having this meeting. He's going to see there. But then they quickly established that, oh, yeah, you know, you you keep losing them at night and you're confounding them. So I think Pacino's mm-hmm. like, you know, fuck this. I'm going to personally follow him. I got nothing to hold on him. I'm just going to invite him to coffee, which set up the, like, set up the amazing scene. But, yeah, I think it was just coincidental. Okay. Uh, we haven't really talked about the gunfight in the middle of the streets. Uh, yeah, I do want to talk about that. It, it's... It's so long, but it's also riveting. So I remember vaguely when this 
actual thing, like kind of thing happened 1997 in 1997 in, in yeah. North Hollywood. Right. And there was this extended, drawn out shooting, like back and forth yeah, between 11 cops these got... heavily armed robbers yep. and this these cops. Um, and it's kind of around the time where it was like, oh, should cops have assault rifles right. and all these kind of things? That's one of the reasons why cops do have now, because right. they... They were faced with a class of criminal that they were totally unable to do anything to. Yeah. They were strapped with, like, level three body armor. That's, yeah, their pistols just weren't That's, that's a PUBG job. term. I don't know what you call it, but they had the good <laughs> shit head to toe, their, uh-huh. like, legs and arms and everything, and the cops couldn't shoot. It, it, it wouldn't penetrate. No, and, and I feel like that that was a a huge, crazy thing that happened in our real world. Right. And this, this movie obviously came before that but um a lot they, of people they say feel, it was a copycat or inspired by uh yeah they they feel akin certainly um but i look at this shootout in this movie and i go this feels tame in a world like this shootout feels tame in a weird way because in a world where there is a school shooting every other week yeah. every other day now we've become numb to it for sure like yeah i i it loses its impact and it's right. it's it was surprising to me like seeing myself watching this movie going yeah this this is just another shootout uh-huh. uh which was kind of fucked up yeah no they, like any random neighborhood across america you could hear this and and i've i kept thinking the same thing because they the the fact that civilians were in the middle of it is one of the points yeah. mm-hmm. and the how kind of like that's where the this is where the the line between police and 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 i guess criminal gets blurry because Pacino is not interested so much in law enforcement as he is the adrenaline rush of taking these guys down. Yeah. Um, and they make a very effective point throughout the movie that these guys are this, the different sides of the same coin. Like, if Pacino hadn't gone, like, you know, he's got the Marine Corps background, he's, he grew up in a law and order kind of thing, and he's fe- it was able to find an outlet for his rage and... Uh, misanthropy uh, in a way that De Niro's character didn't, but I felt like that, like when they're opening fire, like I would love to know the civilians' fatalities, but like it's yeah, like I was some people running and screaming and shrieking. You you can't you can't in 2018 help but draw conclusions between the stuff that we see literally every other week, right? Um, I know, so it, and this isn't like again like. You know, in 1995, it's like this big thing over a bank. In 2018, it's literally a suburban school. Yeah. Uh, you know, the crazy thing is, so I just spent, I, I actually was in the, the, the I, I spent the weekend, coincidentally, in the neighborhood that got shot up. Not the neighborhood, but less than an hour away. Hmm. Do you know how many people I heard having conversations about that? <laughs> Zero. Zero. Wow. I was in a fairly conservative retirement park, by, for the most part, but like... I cannot believe that this happens less than an hour away and people were in complete fucking denial about it. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I thought it was it, it, interesting. Uh, what else we want to talk about? Oh, Danny Trejo's death, man. Like, mm-hmm. I thought when he started talking, I was actually surprised. I thought De Niro was just talking to a corpse, like, asking rhetorical <laughs> questions. And when Trejo started crack, I'm like... <laughs> croaking out words i'm like what this is some fucking seven shit yeah uh he he was he was pressing the lungs out of his air uh or the lungs out of his air the air out of his lungs <laughs> uh and those were just the words that were on his lips yeah when he died yeah it's like looking at what somebody saw the moment they died 
I, you know, I, I guess I was a little bit dismissive of Natalie Portman's performance, but I wrote in my no, my notes that like. She does give a pretty physically great performance when when Pacino fishes her out of the 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 tub. Like she's just mm-hmm. a boned fish. Yeah, she her legs bend in all kinds of unnatural directions <laughs> as Pacino's cradling her and doing all that. And she's just like I if uh she seems like a corpse. I feel like that's 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 an underrated thing. That's an underrated hard thing to do mm-hmm. to like. You know, just 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 go limp like that and and give good dead person. I've seen people do bad <laughs> dead person. Um, I, I did have a hard time, I guess, buying this Amy Burnham Robert De Niro romance. You um, did not in the same ways that that you did, I think, um, or or the same issues that you brought up. But I I just think it was a little sudden. It was surprising to me that a guy who was so on point with mm-hmm. his his you know anything you can't walk out in on in 30 seconds would would say I'm on my last job oh and I'm also going to get involved in a relationship like to me that guy should have said I'm on my last job I'm not going to get involved in a relationship I'll pick something up in New Zealand right but once the job is done once I'm out but Amy Brenneman had a great ass, and oh, De Niro's so. head was it. way up in it. I yeah. mean, I think, because I was about to say, like, one of the weaknesses, because I, I said the opposite. I liked, I, I felt like there was the most believable relationship, um, but their meet cute, it, it did feel kind of random. Like, why, I mean, yeah, I, I Amy Brenneman is a very good-looking most... woman, but what... Like yeah. I felt like something, something like De Niro would need there. There'd have to be a hook there. Yeah, I would have thought. And what was the hook? And it wasn't. I, I, I didn't. I, I didn't get it. Here's the unfortunate thing: is I think you can both say it was the best relationship in the movie, and uh-huh. also still pretty bad. Right. And I don't think the movie would even like. I don't know that Michael Mann would argue. Like I, 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 I don't know what Michael Mann thinks about his heroes. Uh whether like these are like animals that we need to have on our walls to protect us, whether like this is the human like it's the necessarily human cost to having these kind of driven individuals, whether they're like you know cautionary tales that you know we 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 shouldn't have to be like this. I I don't know, but I feel like at no point in the movie did was there a conscious effort to actually defend the, this behavior or to glorify it although the end result i do agree does glorify it sure sure but uh, like as it relates to de niro and brenneman's relationship in this movie i i don't think it it, it's surprising to me that it wasn't even like a factor in the Mm -hmm. the finality the climax of this movie like yes it was on the screen but it had no relation to de niro getting caught whatsoever it was ultimately like his yeah, his right. desire to kill this guy who had fucked him that brought him down. It had nothing to do with his relationship. I guess it just heightened the tragedy because, like, you got this guy who's never formed it attachments. Does, yeah. But then, but the end of the movie does because, like, did he form an attachment because he left her in 30 seconds? Right. So, like, it's. But uh, to me, I guess that was more, that was pretty interesting. Hmm. Like, like I feel like the way De Niro played that is it was as much a surprise to him as anyone that, like, well, shit, I guess this is what I am going to do. I guess I didn't care. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, how long does that last? Does that last 
what if what if he stays in America and he stays doing his thing? Does Amy does Amy Brenneman become something that he can't walk out on in thirty seconds? Uh, I don't know. Or or is I guess it's a fair question. Like, is he not quite to that point, but sees that it could eventually happen, and so he says, "I'm not going to get attached." so much that I can't walk away during this final job, but uh-huh. once he's in New Zealand, he might. He's, he's just, like, getting a head start on the New Zealand yeah, stuff I don't know. here. I don't know. It would be it, it kind of, like, I don't know how you do it because the movie's already too long, but I felt like maybe I needed to see another one of Robert De Niro's relationships to contrast to see whether... Mm-hmm. Because, you know, here's the thing that the movie encourages you to forget a lot of points to identify and empathize with Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro is the kind of guy where one of his loose cannons kills a cop of a security guard for no real reason. And he then kills two other dudes yeah. who are completely innocent uh, and working stiffs uh, just to protect himself. Mm-hmm. He's a bad guy. It's entirely possible that you're right. Like he was just hitting Amy Brenneman uh, because he needed a physical release for himself, and he never really cared about her until he was thinking of his retirement. And I like her. Five. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, like this would be a nice person to bring with me into retirement, but, but I'm not quite retired yet. But but to me, his relationship with her felt very adolescent, and I may maybe that's mm. one of the points in the movie is that this guy has not had because that's I whether you, like like whether you're a 40 year old virgin or a 17 year old virgin, I feel like you need to get a certain amount of reps in relationships before you knew mm-hmm. what know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. Some people get lucky. And that they, you know, they they meet up with a person when they're young and they fall in love and then they they change as people, but they change in complimentary ways. And those are the ones everybody, oh, they've been married 65 years and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, Everybody else is kind of bumblefucks around until they find out what they like and what they need and what they can put up with. And they need to grow as a person and they're they're finally ready. I felt like Domingo as a man has never done any of that. So Mm -hmm. he's. He fell in love like a like a like a high school freshman. <laughs> he conducted relationship and put her on a pedestal and like, oh, I need everything. I, I know everything I need to know. Like, like maybe that's one of the lines is he's just got a very immature, whereas Pacino knows better. He just is selfish. <laughs> like, I know that I can't make a marriage work. I'm going to yeah. try this time. I'm not going to make her any promises, but I still know I shouldn't be in a relationship. I'm going to get in one anyway, and I'm paying the price for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's, that's one of the things I think this movie is kind of deep and rewards multiple viewings because you can kind of go in and do character studies on individual aspects of these guys and relationships and I don't know, theorize yourself what's fucked up and what's not. Yeah. I don't know how rewarding that is, but that's also a really fun movie to watch. (laughs) That's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, do we, guys, I feel like the other thing we really haven't talked about the look and feel of the movie, like, Mm -hmm. Michael Mann is essentially a a an immensely rich man's version of Michael Bay. Okay, he's he's the De Niro to Al Pacino. Like like what is my like, to Michael Bay's Al Pacino? Like when ah, when Michael Bay goes shouting at the camera, right? Got great ass. Right. Uh, he's there to say no. Let's let's bring it down a notch. Right. Um, in their directing like, style, like like Michael Bay's best film which I think is probably The Rock. Okay, that's a good pick. Is as good as Michael Mann's worst film, which <laughs> might be Miami Vice. 
I don't. I haven't seen a I, lot the, of his but, stuff. but like it's like where the the ceiling of Michael Bay is the floor of Michael Mann. Huh. Because because in 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 a Michael Bay film, none of this we wouldn't be having these complicated discussions about the characters and right. their like you know that they're like and then ultimately they're silly and they're dysfunctional, but there's there there there's mm-hmm. pathos there's like Shakespearean. You know, like like De Niro, Pacino, or Romeo and Juliet, man. <laughs> yeah, they pretty fucking much. are. Um, yeah. And that that stuff just you don't get in a Michael Bay film yeah. in favor of explosions and uh, you know Transformers getting their heads ripped off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you got to have like him and Ridley Scott; they're the thinking man's action action movie makers. I guess James Cameron, you could throw that in there too. Uh, some some yeah. guys elevate it. Some like this is an action f- f- flick. This is a crime thriller, but it's it's like you know best in in show. Uh, I don't really have a lot. Let's. I thought maybe we should go to Freddie C. Yeah. Uh, and get his feedback on it. Uh, Freddie C. says, "Here's a movie that I'm positive would eventually get commissioned one day, and I'm lucky to be the one to do it. It's easily one of my favorite movies. Has great dialogue, awesome characters, one of the best shootouts in film history." Funny thing is, Heat is one of those few films that not only has a fantastic cast, but also uh, an on-paper shitty cast as well. So sure, you've got Pacino, De Niro, Not Fat Val Kilmer, John Voight, Natalie Portman, Ted Levine, Ashley Judd. Yeah. But if I told you the best heist movie ever made featured speaking roles from the uh, singer of Funky Cold Medina, a deaf comedy jam regular, R.I.P. Ricky Harris... Uh, the lead singer of Black Flag, Jeremy Piven, and the most prominent voice actor on The Simpsons, you'd think I was crazy. <laughs> hey, man, I've seen Ace Ventura at this point. <laughs> I know that Tone Loke can bring it yeah. when it comes to acting. Uh, can you think of any <laughs> other great dramatic movies that have a huge cast of unconventional dramatic actors? Man, I was trying to brainstorm before the podcast. and The, 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 the thing that trips you up is great dramatic it, movies. It does, yeah, because like, the closest thing I can come up with is Armageddon. Which had like a surprisingly deep '90s cast of people who either later became huge stars or were like burgeoning stars at the time. Uh, but that's not a great movie. I mean, you could go. That's an entertaining movie. You could go con maybe, but then this thing. Okay, so uh, here's the thing. Sure, Colmeny, Colmeny, John Cusack. Like, but here, here, here's the cast for Armageddon: Bruce mm. Willis, Willis, Liv Tyler, Ben Affleck, Steve Buscemi, Billy Bob Thornton. Stop me when we get to Piven level. Okay. Michael Clark Duck- Duncan, Owen Wilson, William Fitchner, uh, Jessica Steen, Peter Stormare. Uh, okay, Peter Stormare. No, come on. Peter Stormare is, is a great character actor. Yeah. But uh, but he's a great character actor in... Like, he's... I'm not trying to place him in a character in this movie. Maybe Ken Hudson. Ken Hudson is the fat guy in Groundhog Day that Bill Murray gives a pep talk to. Okay, there you go. You're getting to that level. Yep. Uh, now you're in tone local level. The guy from Falling Skies. Um, Eddie Griffin apparently is in this movie that I've forgotten about. Like I, I, it's it's tougher because you don't like you don't have a half dozen of those guys. I was going to say like one of the Ocean's Eleven maybe. Um, hmm. The Ocean Eleven cast because, but but there again, that that's another one where number one, I don't know, that's a great movie. It's a fun movie, right? But like, I, I can't like Bernie Mac, maybe Casey Affleck, maybe, but but Casey Affleck has morphed into a serious actor now. Yeah, he was not at the time though. <laughs> uh, you know, Elliot Gould is a serious guy. Scott Can, uh, the son of uh, Sonny Corleone, I, I, I you know. 
Carl. Hmm. I mean, the, I these guys, either. Eddie Jemison, maybe or uh, that. I I don't I don't know, man. It's really tough. There's really tough because like I can think of lots of not great movies. Yeah. That have weird eclectic casts, like any of the like airplane style movies, any of the, you know, the scary movie things have like that kind of. But like a good, a great film with a a, a weird fuse, fusion kind of cast like that, that's that's a lot harder. I, I really, really. And there's there's weird stuff like. There are great movies that don't quite fit the like super deep cast of not that well known people like Death to Smoochie is a great movie that has, like, a lot of big stars playing roles they don't traditionally play, but it doesn't have, like, those kind of B-list people bringing thunderous performances. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and I guess the thing is, like, that's the key. They can't be just, like, jokes or stunt cats. It's got to be people that are in a work and they're not and that that is kind of like above them and they're not like completely besmirching themselves or they're yeah. perfectly cast like i was thinking mm-hmm. like uh another one is uh, schwarzenegger's um uh spot what was that the true true spot true lies it's got tom okay. arnold in yeah. it as like the co-star uh-huh that's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> He's punching above his weight there. He's yeah. punching way above his. But that's 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 one dude. That's one dude. Right. Like uh, Bill Paxton is in that movie, but Bill Paxton's a great, yeah, you know, late great Bill Paxton is is, is he's he's been in a lot of great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been in a lot of genre work. Like it's not he doesn't not belong in that film. Right. Tom Arnold does not belong in True <laughs> Lies. Um, I don't know. I it, that's 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 one of the greatest questions we've been um, posed, Freddie. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I think I'd be remiss if I did not mention that Freddie C was a hero in our yes. in our recent uh, Groundhog's Day charity drive for the National Alliance in Homelessness. Dude chipped in uh, in one and one donation, and I'm pretty sure he that this was not his only donation of the night. Sixteen hundred dollars to put us over the ten thousand dollar mark. Uh, and he commissioned this. Uh, he commissioned this movie, Heat, back in November of 2016. <laughs> uh, man, thanks, thanks for all you do, Freddie. Uh, thanks for all you've mm-hmm. done for for Bald Move, and thanks for what uh, the, the, your, your generosity and your support. And thanks for commissioning this movie because I had a hell of a lot of fun uh, watching it. it. It's like I. It was such a treat to go home last night, put this thing on. And just, 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 just have pure delight watching it for three hours, and now uh, talking about it on the podcast. And it's one of those movies that I knew that I should watch because right. it's, it's a classic. Like, right. Everybody talks about Heat, and I thought maybe another... I had watched it. I confused it with the score, uh, which has Robert De Niro and Ed Norton. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, oh, that's a great movie. I love right. that movie. Right. No, a totally different movie. Yeah, so no, and those that's the great that's one of the great things about the commission podcasts is sometimes you get one of those dusty wine bottles that have been sitting yeah. on the shelf and like like the you know, there will be bloods and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um but no, thank thank you for, for all that you've done, uh, Freddie. I hope you enjoyed this uh, commission review. Uh, unfortunately, again, we are still way far behind our commission tab, uh, commission queue, and we are not prepared to open it to new commissions yet. Uh, we have a couple of good ones coming up. We've got uh, The Exorcist, Highlander, It Follows, uh, lots, lots of good stuff that's coming out to commission queue. Uh, and we'll be back with the next one. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.